0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to This is Chase and Rance. This is part two Did I Make the Biggest Mistake of My Life? Once again, this is a three-part docu-series here where we delve into the story of Chase and Rance, really, you know, as a person and and some of the issues that he's encountered in his life, some of the reasons why he legitimately is the most polarizing figure in all of pro wrestling. Now, I am the Duke host of the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. I must say this again, in no way, shape, or form is this three-part docu-series an endorsement of anyone nor is it any sort of I gotcha or negative takedown of anyone. Legitimately this is just providing the facts from different perspectives uh, in this case primarily from Chasen Rance himself in a long form and detailed manner that quite frankly we have never heard before. So in part one you know Chasen went through his entire life story leading up to lewd and lavicious behavior so what happens now you know since that moment how do we get to this point where he's at now in life and we won't have to wait much longer in fact here we are part two did i make the biggest mistake of my life jason it's been a few days how you doing hey i'm doing all right yeah it's been
1: quite a few days uh 10 days. And yes, it was getting a little emotional. I don't really talk about this too often because my focus again is just on my students mostly. And, uh, and that was another reason we had to take a break. I forgot we were talking so long. I had to go run an event. Uh, since then we've, I've had three events. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is a little emotional for me. It's just, I, I did something stupid I was punished by the state, uh, but overall, it doesn't seem that the uh, crime is fitting the punishment that I deal with every day.
0: Well, let me ask you something, because like you said, it's, it's been about 10 days now since we recorded the first portion of, of this conversation. How did it feel to, to get all of that stuff off your chest? Because I, I can't imagine that you've ever gone long form like this anywhere else.
1: Uh, aside from with my lawyer, I have not really, and then even with the lawyer, it wasn't as long form as we're really going into right now and uh you know just speaking with you and getting this out like I mentioned when we were off the air, you know just talking about it, I get to give more of my side, and people hopefully can see a little bit more and just gets emotional just I get attacked all the time, and people don't really know the story and just be able to tell my side of the story and get it out there. It gets emotional. Just talking about it. Like even honestly talking about it afterwards, I did get choked up and I, and now I'm back to it. I didn't even think I'd be back in this uh, total mindset of just uh, getting attacked all the time for something. And I haven't even gotten to the rest of it. Uh, but speaking to my mom afterwards, like I got emotional talk to her about it then, because over the time we've been looking at people to discuss this, but a lot of the uh, higher ups just don't want to do a, peace on me because of how bad it looks on paper.
0: At the end of the day, the truth needs to be 360 degrees, you know, and, and, and for for the whole world to talk and give their opinion and, and to share whatever they want to share. That's great. But you're literally the person that is the main subject here. So yeah. to not hear from you just doesn't make any sense. It's an incomplete story. So mm-hmm. And that's exactly why you're here. So let's pick up where we left off, Jason. All right. Thank you. I just one piece just slipped my mind, but it's
1: okay. Um, I went into long form. I'm trying to keep things a little bit shorter and trying to jump around too much, but we'll see what happens. So I believe uh, when last we spoke, I had turned down our future advances. And this is before the recordings and everything. So around this time, this is uh, a... end of 2009 until the beginning of, uh, 2010. Uh, at that time I was end of 2009, I was more tied in with Scott Hall. Larry had already been here. Uh, I found my way to get closer to Scott and get him involved in my wrestling stuff and help get him back in shape and ready for TNA. And I was going to TNA I had extra work coming up for, oh, I just got off the reality show VH1 where I went with uh, one of my girlfriends. It was more or less trying to uh, get into WWE and the protocol in like 2009 to get in WWE was either be 6'2", at least 6'2", 275 pounds or or 6'4", whatever it was, or be on a reality TV show. So I looked up reality TV shows and found one to have. I'm like, who could take me on this? And one of my girlfriends that, Amanda, she, uh, she loved the show too, as did some others. So I'm like, sign me up for this. And, Oh, that's another, that's what I was going to say. A lot of times I didn't talk about stuff for the early years because my lawyer and others would say, there's nothing you can do about it right now. Just kind of lay low, go through the, um, go through the system the way it needs to be done. Anything I say can and you, and will be used against me. So I would just have to lay low and then, and I'll get into all the stuff with my, uh, probation officers of uh, how that crazy mess all went. Um, so Scott Hall, Larry Zabisco. I'm running a wrestling school. I'm on top of the world. Uh, uh, WWE is coming up on the VH1 reality show. It's been so many years. So filmed in 2009, 2010. Um, and honestly, when we were watching the show, I was really hoping that my girl didn't ask me or that Amanda didn't ask me about Allie because, uh, because there's a lie detector test in there and I didn't want to talk about it. She didn't know about it. She assumed, uh, but it was just something I didn't want to talk about and something I felt like you know that shouldn't have happened. I turned down future advances, and again, but it happened. But I didn't want to talk about that on a national TV. So there was a little bit of a stress going in there, plus going on these reality shows. Uh, they have a thing called a soft script, so they have an idea where they're going. Every 300 minutes they film it equals one minute of actual TV time seeing the finished product. There were voiceovers. There was this, the, the whole thing's crazy. And in the span of like four seconds, I'm wearing five different outfits. Uh, that might be a bit much. Maybe it's three different outfits, but it's like, I'm laying on a bed wearing pants standing up now wearing shorts with the same shirt. They didn't notice that. I just switched pants and this, and then I was wearing a totally different outfit um, reality show. They edited it to make it all fancy. I quit the show because I had a staff infection but they edited down this thing where it looked like I was wrestling a girl and she slammed me, which she didn't. I beat her once. I beat her twice. I realized it was a, uh, boring for TV. So I did a flying guillotine, took her down. They said, she pinned you. I'm like, she just tapped out. Then I <clears throat> wrestled one of the other guys made him bleed, tapped him out. Then just these guys were being such jerks. to I me. Mean, the only people I got involved and in, uh, along with in the house was the one, uh, straight girl. And then the one, uh, black guy and then everybody else were just jerks for the most part um i just quit the show they weren't paying me any money and so i just say hey look like this is ridiculous you're not paying us anything also it was right before the second season of jersey shore to where they all got paid and it was the same production i was trying to get all the tools around like hey don't sign any more contracts let's get paid for this thing and they just they didn't care so i quit the show shortly after that and then they just wrote me off when i called them said hey give me my girlfriend back they're like in wrestling, you have your story to tell. In Hollywood, we have ours. We'll give you her when when we're done. And it was really messed up. Um, and it was right. It was like the day before Thanksgiving. Anyway, so I'm on reality shows. I'm in. I'm backstage at TNA every show. They asked me to be part of the show, and Scott told them if they don't have a main event role for me, don't even think about it. Plus, my reality show is getting better ratings than TNA. Uh, like I said, WWE was now calling because of the reality show. I feel like I'd been wrestling for a while. I'd been backstage at, at WWE when, uh, some of my buddies in WWE were in town because they have to get their own rental cars and hotels and stuff. I'd let them know, Hey, and you know, this is stuff that you learn that you want to come up. You want to help the, uh, more experienced guys or especially guys that are in WWE that can help you along the way. I'd pick up like our truth from the airport. Cause let's say uh, the show is in Miami and there's a show on West Palm beach and then Orlando, they have to fly out there. It's like, Oh, I'm in Miami seeing family or I can find time to see family. And he's like, Hey, is it okay if Ray Mysterio comes with us? Oh, of course. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and Ray would ask me questions. Like we'd stay in uh, Williams Island and at my dad's condo. And he's like, Jason, uh, I wrestle so I can have this. Why do you wrestle? And I say I wrestle because I really enjoy it. I'm good at it. I feel like I can help others with it. And I have a platform that I can help others do this stuff. And it's something I enjoy in life. So, you know, I try to try to make myself happy. It was always like, what do you want to be when you're older? I want to be happy. Uh, I was watching some motivational thing. I think it was Matthew McConaughey. But he was saying just to find more of like joy in life, just find enjoyment out of everything you do. And I, I think it's kind of the same thing. Find happiness, find joy. Uh, So TNA, WWE, Ring of Honor. uh, I wasn't because Adam Pierce was there at the time. Who, I don't know, sometimes he's super cool with me. And then other times it's like, uh," whatever. Um, Worldwide wrestling promotions. What AEW kind of is, is what we had then. But like, there's been so many things over the times and stuff. And they were even talking about an AEW thing the other day. Where it's like, oh, this Tony Khan guy, like, there's something special there. So we had the nephew of the Mets owner, the Wilpon family, sponsoring a new wrestling promotion where the first person assigned was me, followed by Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, X-Pac, Ricky Ortiz, Larry Zabisco, Mr. St. Laurent, QT, Marshall, one of my students, Zoe Rowe, one of my students. Um, QT, he was uh, initially trained by the Monster Factory and then went to the Dudley's but then they kind of did something that he wasn't too happy about and then came to me and then started going over stuff and like psychology and he was just so impressed by the way I could do stuff and that's someone that I helped open the school and I've helped others in AEW and other places open schools and there'd be more team vision dojos around because of the heat surrounding me that opens up sometimes that maybe the tv dojo in Clearwater becomes the side dojo but whatever um WWP, TNA, WWE, um, like, <clears throat> and, uh, there is a party for the winner of Tool Academy. I quit on the first episode. They weren't paying me, got out of there. When the show was over, the girl from the show was like, oh, it was such crap. Oh my God. I was there. She was there for a month and like maybe won a couple challenges. So maybe came out of there with a thousand dollars. And I told them that I can't be here for this long. if. You're not going to take care of me. Oh, there's also problems with the food because I don't eat red meat or pig and they just wouldn't get certain things to uh, meet my dietary needs. Not trying to be like a diva or anything like that, but just I don't eat these other things. Um, so I'm, I'm flying high. School's doing well. Um, like the top unsigned guy, even though I just signed a contract with uh, Worldwide Wrestling Promotions during this uh, for... <laughs> I guess six figures over the two year contract, but it it was like high, high, high. It was really nice, but it didn't pan out. There was money that was put into a pay-per-view and things, but the things fell apart. And some stuff that I noticed early on. And I told St. Laurent, I told others, I said, I think this person's doing this and that's happening there. They're like, no, 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 no. And months later they're like, Jason, you were right. I'm like, yeah. Um. So, Jacob, one tool Academy where it looked like he would have been kicked out on everything, but, and he even talked about his things like, yeah, you know, chasing left and this happened and that happened. And I think they really did have me pegged to win the thing. Uh, they were hinting some stuff, but they could be doing that to everybody. Um, there's the party, the other guy in Orlando won, but it was people from all over the country. Um, I still talked to Genovese, the girl she's in Las Vegas. Um, so Amanda and I decided to drop in on the, uh, party downtown and man the jacob guy was so introverted and stuff and he was a jerk on the show and i that's the one who like i threatened to almost kill his life just because they were such jerks and i needed to get out of there my closing line for the show was i'm chasing not cocky rants and the tool academy never stood a chance and i walk out all dramatically but then they just edited edited all that out and just he cried and left and got beat by a girl. I'm like, Oh my God. And somebody in public's like, Hey, you really lost to a girl. I'm like, have you ever watched like mixed martial arts? Yeah. <laughs> like she was in a guillotine. Huh? Anyways, we go to the party. Um, I meet Jacob's family. I'm like, Oh my God, it's chasing an Amanda. Oh my God. Um, while I was only on the one episode, they still featured me on other things. And I was, I took over the show. Cause no, it was all people that were green to, uh, being on TV and then the producers on reality shows can't talk too much at times. So sometimes I started taking over and being director and telling people when to say their lines and when to say this. And they actually split the group up at times because uh, they had the producer go with one group and they had me lead another group as far as teaching them like how to throw out lines where the camera is and things like that. Um, and then actually the same thing happened shortly after there for a uh, tough enough, because I had some students that were, calling me like, Hey, apparently you're the liaison for Florida. I'm like, well, I'm not getting paid for this, but they know my background. And <laughs> so it was just funny that people were reaching out for me for the tough enough stuff, just how to film the things. And this is in between the legal stuff. Um, Cause I told them I said, I might be in court for tough enough. Uh, so we go to the party. Uh, Jacob was just in his phone The family's all excited. We're being taken care of. We're taking care of VIP everything. Um, uh, you know, I'm happy. I'm, uh, 27 now and I'm on reality TV shows, local celebrity, everything's going good. And I kind of have my choice of where I want to go. And actually, even at the time though, like, I don't feel like I was as good as I got later. Like, getting more like Larry. I learned a lot from him, but Scott, like he got on me a lot on certain things and really helped me. Um, And a lot of the other ones did. And I think I forgot to mention Conan was another one that I learned a lot from and Terry Taylor over at TNA, just always try to sit under the learning tree there. I got a lot from there. So I was always progressively learning, but 2010 I get my legs cut off and I continued to get better. And now I feel like I'm like on a decline, but I'm still work harder than most um, and still wrestling. But so we have the party, we get to Amanda's house, and uh, I wake up in the morning to a phone call. And I'm not home, Amanda lives down the road from me. And uh, I get a phone call, and it's Allie, and she says, I'm telling my dad. And I'm just waking up, not sure what's going on. And I'm like, huh? What? I'm telling my anyways, uh, <clears throat> I told him, and I'm like, hey, I got to get out of here. All right? I remember walking outside and talking to the phone. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, I'm going to tell my dad what happened and stuff. So I don't know what's going on. I know that she's talking. I'm like, why would you do that? Because at the time, um, she was coming to Florida, to Orlando with her mom and stepdad. And Phil, her father, my grandmother's boyfriend, was coming up to Orlando And we were all supposed to the five of us go out and meet or not meet, but go and eat. I have never met the mother. I never met the stepdad at this time. And I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. Cause while like I dated these other girls and um, the, the first fiance had been like out of the picture and I was just kind of like, whatever, right. I'm freaking, this is how I do my stuff. I'm traveling all the time and doing this. The girls that I date know that I'm promiscuous, but this is the girl that, we've talked about a future. She's very bright. Um, uh, she's a beautiful girl. She's mature. So we thought, um, and all right, I'm going to go meet my future, uh, mother-in-law that, that was the mindset I had going into it, honestly. Uh, cause, uh, my high school sweetheart, we're done. And I just thought like, Oh, you know, uh, <sighs> Hey, this could work out. Like I said, uh, 35, 25, that could work. She's got a, uh, great acting career going on, great wrestling career for me, which was the plan. Like, okay. Um, <clears throat> so that's what I thought was going on. But she calls me, tells me this stuff. Like I'm telling my dad and I'm like, what? We ended up being on the phone for about like 20 minutes or so. She hung up a couple of times, getting upset, crying. And then I tried calling back and she wouldn't answer and she would only call me. Um, We're going back and forth about the thing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's saying something like, oh, you did this. Uh, I don't I I mean, the I think the phone conversations are public record. And I know I've had people listen to them before. I don't like to listen to it, um, but I've read the transcripts and everything. And it was just kind of like she was trying to tell a nicer side for her mom because her mom didn't realize that she had multiple sex partners and. Um, just how she can act at times and other things and I'm like, no, I, I turned you down that time. No, that, that didn't happen. I have no idea I'm being recorded by the cops. Um, I get home and, uh, I told M St. Laurent, I said, I think I might've been recorded. He's like, what i am I? Like, I was on the phone with Ali. He's like, Oh, well, you know, just don't talk about it anymore. And, uh, I'm upstairs and there's a knock on the door and I forget if it was Larry or M, but he's like, uh, there the police here. I'm like, and my heart sunk when the knock was on the door. I'm like, man, that's, and, uh, man, imagine like the night before, it's like you have the opportunity to wrestle for any wrestling company potentially. Like I'd have to obviously, earn my stripes more if I got into WWE if I didn't sign that contract with WWP or that thing fell apart and I made it to WWE like you know it's just an opportunity and I still have to prove myself so more hard work would come into play then or if I went to TNA or whatever the situation ring of honor or I went overseas but to the next day to cops showing up to realizing like my life might never be the same again and it might be over um, the cop says to me he says, "Hi. Did you uh, have a conversation with Alexandria Siegel?" And I, uh, I said, "Yes." And the officer said, uh, "There was two of them." He said, "Would you like to sit down on the couch and tell us the story, or would you like to talk to your lawyer?" And I was just so happy. I'm like, "Oh yes, lawyer, please. Thank you. Yes, I'd like to talk to my lawyer." And the cop pulls out this hidden like recording thing, hits stop, and he says, "Hey." I hope you have a really good lawyer because this girl's mother is crazy and she's only out for money. Uh, I said, all right, thank you. And they're like, at some point there's going to be a warrant for your arrest. Would you like us to just come pick you up or would you like us to call you? I said, please call me. Um, they're like, okay. And I was trying to get the cops out of there as quick as possible because Phil, the dad was coming over to meet up with me for us to go to lunch with the rest of the family. Um, so within five minutes, Phil shows up. I don't know if I called my mom yet. Um, so Phil comes over and I said, Hey, Phil, um, he's like, Oh, Hey, you I'm like, uh, come inside. We need to talk. And he's like, okay, what's up? I'm like, have a seat. And then I sit him down on the couch. I said, Hey, do you remember, uh, Two years ago, when you sent Allie up here with her friend, he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, um, during that trip, uh, your daughter and I, we had sex. And he said, okay. And like, didn't seem like, okay, sounds, sounds fine. And again, like, um, he, how old are they now? They're born in, thir- in the thirties. So mid, mid eighties right now or eighty. Yeah. Um, they're in their mid eighties, the age gap, I guess to them probably didn't seem as big of a deal. Plus they knew, uh, you know, Allie, I think he knew Allie was like how she was, but then also I'll get more into this, how through these, uh, through this case, I found out more about the dad, Phil, um, he just kind of said, okay, you know, okay. You and my daughter, you guys got started a little early. I said, well, this is what's going on now. And I told him about the recording and the cops, he's like, what? And he starts trying to call his ex-wife like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, she's not answering his calls. Uh, he calls his daughter. I remember we went out to Chili's at one point, him and I, the daughter stopped like taking his calls. So we used this thing called bluff my calls where I don't even think it's that active anymore, but it's, it's, it was a fun little rib thing that you could do to people where you change your numbers. But Uh, We changed his phone number to his other daughter's number so Allie would answer it. Uh, Through this whole process in this day, everything's kind of a blur when everything happened. But uh, Allie lied to her mom. Her mom lied to her. (sighs) There's a bunch of things. I just want to try to get whatever. It'll all come out. Um, Her mother found Allie's diary months before or something that talked about us having a relationship and she, the mother wasn't getting money from the father for, for child support. And because I had a nice car, cause even though like, uh, you know, we'd seem like we're doing better than most. And I think my family was doing better than, you know, the majority, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of poor people in the world. Um, they do you know, we get by and there's just like I've mentioned in our previous conversation, just, you know, I don't really think money's real. There's always ways to manipulate the stuff and whether you need a home or you need this. Um, and there's people out there that can help. So they, uh the mother wasn't getting any money from the father. So she thought she could come after me. They had Allie in therapy. The dad, Oh, that's right. Her stepfather was going through financial problems. Like at one point they were doing really well on money and I think the stepdad was getting tired of being the one to take care of everything. Like the mother wasn't doing anything. So they came up with a plan to extort me for a million dollars. Uh, and they never even came to me first. They just went to the police station. So they went to the police station and they said, Hey, uh, the whole process, the cop told me this, that they were just trying to get money. They said, Hey, how do we do this? And they, the cops, the police told them that it's a, this is a criminal charge. Um, so they have to go through the crimes first before they could do, um, uh, the other stuff Before it's the, uh, and I'm sorry, I'm blanking right now. Anyways. Um, so the criminal before they could do the other one where she could try to sue me for a million dollars. Uh, so just had to go through the whole process to get me in trouble so they could eventually try to come after me for the money <sighs> through that. Also, um, Allie found, Oh, her mother convinced Allie that I was in trouble already for sleeping with a young girl in Florida, which was not true at all she lied to Allie saying I had a relationship with another young girl in Florida, which Allie knew about my relationships with the girls that I had been seeing. And I hadn't lied to her about anything. And it's not something that like her and I should have had a relationship talking about, but again, like my grandmother, her father kind of pushed us together and just surely, but surely over time, you know, we got close and then that we had intimate times together. And then just someone that I consider close, someone that I, I loved and just, you know, bad timing. Uh, So her mother lied to her about that through the dealings. Oh, through Allie having to talk to the police officers, the police officers. Hey, did you know this? Did you know that? And she's like, wait, what? Like my mom said that? Wait, no, I'm chasing. It was just a bunch of stuff where also during the conversation we were there, she was getting upset and hung up. Allie was getting real emotional over the whole thing because she cared about me a lot and I cared about her a lot. And she was just being manipulated by her mother and her stepfather. Um. She dropped the case, but the state picked it up. Um, And then I had another lawyer friend who was trying to say that we should fight it. And it's like, you know, I could end up in jail for a long time uh, for this incident. Because even though, well, it can't be consensual since she's not of age. It's not like I did anything to force her to have intercourse with me by any means, so I'm like, there's still a crime that's been committed. And on paper, you know, this is what the serving is. So I ended up on the, on a really bad state prosecutor's desk where she wouldn't even look at me in court. And my lawyer was just trying to get the sex offender for life taken off, but he was able to get, he even said, like, he, that I do time to make sure I didn't have the life sentence. But in, uh, in Florida, it's the worst state that you can get in trouble for something like this in, in our, I don't know. It's the worst place in the world. Maybe. I don't know. I'm sure in other countries, there's some crazy stuff that goes on, but in the United States, Florida is the worst place to get in trouble for this. Um, she wouldn't do anything to not give me the life sex offender thing. And to find out years later, when I, when I asked my lawyer about getting this stuff expunged, he's like, I don't think that's an expungible offense. I'm like, wait, what? I didn't know that. And then thinking about, it, I'm like, Oh, well, you know, if somebody kills somebody like murders them, why should they be able to get expunged for that? Obviously, unless it's self-defense, but then they shouldn't even be charged. So whatever. Either way, on paper, I had sex with someone who was just under 16 years old, and it doesn't look good. Um, so through this, uh, I spoke to my mom while this was going on. I didn't tell my dad. I was so like terrified of my father for doing something stupid like this, even though like he knows because like, my family weren't like, hey. like She's always kind of throwing herself. uh. I, uh, we, whatever I'll, I'll say judges and lawyers names, um, Mark Blackman, who is now a judge in central Florida, who's went to grade school or high school, or whatever with my mom, uh, we got in touch with Mark and Mark Blackman said, Hey, this is the lawyer I would send my kids to chase. And I, I, I feel like you're, you know, like one of my kids, I can't represent you. It would just be too emotional. So here's, uh, Warren Lindsay. Um, Warren Lindsay was awesome. He had uh, been practicing in Florida for, I think, more than 20 years or so. Then kind of looks like, uh, uh, George W. Bush and just very well spoken man, very nice, very, uh, you know, you wanna, very and, and Matt Perry, who was his assistant who, you know, we'll get into this. My other legal problem, my DUI that I got years later when a lot was going on, uh, and this is more recent, uh, Matt Perry kind of took over on that one. And he, over the years, had become more like Warren. And I'm like, oh, that's – he He trained him really well. Um, so uh, Warren, Lindsay, we went to court. We had to go through a lot of things. Court got pushed for like almost a year. And we were hoping at one point it might just be dropped because – there just wasn't that much there. The girl didn't want to fight. It was just a state. And it was this one woman who had like the scales of justice tattooed on her ankle and would not look at me in court. Um, so 2010, the reality show started airing in February, 2000 on February 14th, where I was at backstage at TNA talking with WWE, I think shortly thereafter, cause I was just on the reality show and they called me for a match in May um dixie carter's walking by and i'm in the locker room it's me sting and kurt angle um kurt's putting me over to dixie saying like you got a hell of a heel right here and all they want to talk about like oh you want to be with orlando georgia i'm like no i'm a straight guy on a show that gets more viewers than impact so please and scott told them the same um i was doing that Uh, WWE. Oh, so when WWE called me, I think they called me and then the stuff happened. Maybe it happened in April. April might make sense. Maybe March, end of March, beginning of April, April sounds more like it. Cause if the show aired February 14th, and I think there might've been 10 episodes that would bring us to April and it was right after the party when he won. So yeah, we're in April. So April school's going good. I'm doing well but then all this stuff happens. I'm still at TNA, but I give Scott the heads up. Hey, this isn't, it happened two years ago. At some point, if this hits the news and things happen with it, we're gonna have to figure out a change. Cause I was taking Scott and X-Pac to TNA all the time um, at TNA. So I left TNA in 07 when Vince Russo came in, I was just, um, I tell my students, I'm like, there's so much more you could be doing. There's so much. You guys don't do what I did to get the notoriety. Um, I made sure that all my classes never conflicted with TNA. So I'd always be able to get to TNA, which was filming right down the road at Universal. Um, I'd go there some days and I'd always have my gear with me. Like, hey, Chase, you know, you're wrestling today. I said, no, I don't know. But thank you. I have my gear. Um, And then Court Bauer, uh, Courtney would tell me, uh, hey, don't do too many jobs. Can't get you a job here um so then i would do the lax stuff and everything but anyways in 07 (sighs) i went to uh went to ring of honor 09 i don't know how i just jumped around to that anyways oh oh yeah 07 when vince russo came in they started having uh, people that weren't under contract not being able to be backstage so i come back at the beginning of at the end of 09 to get scott in there with hulk hogan and stuff um meeting bischoff and Hervey, but I'd been doing other stuff with the midget wrestling things with them or right after that. I'd done that. Um, I tell Scott like, hey, we might have to change this up a little bit. Uh, uh, At one point it did hit the airways and I had uh, started dating somebody and I told him, I said, hey, Stuff may hit the fan soon, just letting you know. But in 2010, you know, I had Twitter. Not many people had that Twitter. Social media wasn't as big. And until years later with the Kenny Omega thing, it wasn't that out there, I guess. Or just, I don't know, just the fan base or whatever. Or just it became more broad. So I get a call from my lawyer. And this is June or July 2010. I think the very end of June and he says, Hey, there's a warrant out for your arrest. So turn yourself in in two weeks. And in the meantime, just, uh, stay out of orange County, just get out of town. And it's nothing like he was, um, trying to tell me to run or anything like that. He just wanted me to turn myself in on this exact Sunday so I could see the judge in the morning and get out of there. Again, the police told me that they would call me when there was a warrant. So my lawyer, he's just on top of everything. Um, I asked my lawyer if I should still do the wrestling matches I have coming up. And he said no. And this is one of the few times that uh, I didn't listen to my lawyer because they were out of county. So I didn't think that there'd be a chance of me being arrested. And I think I spoke to somebody else. They're like, yeah, you can't get arrested if you're in another county. I said, okay, thank you. Um, so Larry Zabisco and I, we wrestled some of my students up in McLean, Florida, and I felt like these were potentially my like farewell stuff. I just uh, this is uh, the beginning of July. Two months before that, I wrestled for WWE. I did a dark match, me and another guy against Kurt Hawkins and Lance Hoyt, Vance Archer. Um, and Lance was like, "Hey, you see, we finally get to wrestle each other. We thought we'd wrestle in TNA, and it never happened. And then it happens in WWE." Um, so I do the match in I do my last match in Altamont Springs here. And, uh, I had a bit of a promo beforehand. So if you look on YouTube, you see Chase and Rance versus Biff Slater, who, uh, we do, I do a promo on the thing and it's kind of like a farewell thing if you, if you knew, but nobody really knew and, uh, do the match with Biff. And then the next day I turn myself in, I go to the police station um, and say, Hey, uh, my name's Jason Rance is a warrant out for my arrest. I'm here to turn myself in. And uh, they look through the records. They're like, there's no, there's no warrant for your arrest. I said, Oh, okay. So I called my lawyer and I said, Hey, uh, Warren, uh, there's no warrant. I'm like, what should I do? He's like, get out of there. I'm like, Oh, okay. He's like, get in your car and go. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I end up going to uh, have sushi with St. Laurent. I'm like, Ooh, yeah, there's no warrant. Maybe everything got dropped. I'm all excited and uh, take them to, uh, and at the time I wasn't eating too much that day because I really didn't want to have to go to the bathroom in the uh, holding area. Um, so we go to a uh, sushi place. We're about to get hibachi and I get a phone call and my phone rings all the time because, you know, I'm a trainer, I'm a promoter. I have friends. um I didn't recognize the number. I'm like, I don't want to answer it. It's probably the police. And they're like, uh, it could be a student either way. I need to answer because I just don't want anybody coming up. And uh, it's the police. It's probably about six. And they're like, hey, we found your warrant. Uh, do you want us to come pick you up or do you want to come back in? I'm like, I'll just come back. So I told them to cancel whatever extra food because I don't want soy sauce or anything like that to mess with my stomach. Um, Drive me back, I check in. Uh, when I check in there, I get questioned nonstop by people there and my lawyer and family said, just don't say anything to people because the people inside, like the other prisoners, uh, they hear that you had sex with a minor and they're just, you know, potentially going to attack you. And I'll tell a story about Nick Gage, uh, as well, where the whole locker room had to defend me and we were cool. But, uh, so I'm in there just trying to get processed i'm dressed nice because i know i have to see a judge and all the people around me you know people got arrested for whatever they're like everybody thought i was like dealing drugs like oh you know you're dressed nice oh what happened to the club or what happened did you get taken out there and i'd be getting questioned by like why is there not a why is there not a bond for you why is that i'm like uh resisting arrest uh they're like no no there should still be this i'm like and i was just coming up with whatever excuse one cop though when he was booking me on the sides, like, Hey, you know, are you okay? Like what's going on? And uh, he kind of got it out of me. I'm like, look, you know, I've um, I was on reality shows. Someone's trying to extort me for money. I did something stupid. Um, so I'm just trying to get this process. And she's like, oh, okay, don't, don't worry about, it. you know, just lay low and just be over here. My lawyer thinks that that cop went to the uh, press and uh, for money to get a story out there. And apparently cops will do that. They'll, you know, find somebody in there, tip them off, as opposed to a reporter that might have to go through hundreds of thousands of mugshots to see if there's anybody that they might recognize. So, um, oh, and for those two weeks I got out of town, like I was visiting family. Is that my girlfriend's uh, family? And um not saying what was going on. And so Sunday turned myself in Monday, got out by Tuesday or Wednesday.
0: I was all over the news.
1: I was in the paper. I was on TV. I was on the websites at first, like the Orlando Sentinel, their headline on their website was Chase and Rant sleeps with girl. And it was like, what kind of headline is they changed it eventually to like reality star has sex with minor or something like that. Um, the local stations were doing all the news pieces out of me. They were putting in clips from my wrestling, putting clips from my wrestling shows, putting pictures of me from TNA uh, video clips from ring of honor of me, uh, kissing girls. Um, and I'd have uh, news people come into my house. I'm just trying to run class. Like I'm trying to leave to go teach class that night. And I have police at uh, not police. Sorry. I have uh, news reporters at my door and Larry wanted to answer the door and promote his book. I'm like, Larry, don't. It's not going to look good for someone at your age being here for this whole incident. Let's not do it. Make a joke of it. I ask my lawyer. Is there anything I should do? He's like, no, don't talk to the press. Don't do anything. You need to lay low. All that really matters is what happens in in the courts. But, you know, there's now uh, the Twitter police and all these other crazy people that want to talk um, so I was just laying low all the time and people would ask me like, why aren't you making an apology? Why aren't you making public apologies and stuff? I'm like, I'm going through the court systems. Like, please, like, I don't need to do this stuff. And later I have made apologies. Um, but I've gone through the whole system. I talked to her and even on the voice recording, I tell Allie, I'm just like, if I did anything to hurt you, which I don't, I don't feel I did. I'm sorry. I just didn't know where she was coming on with the whole thing, but her mom had been lying to her about all the stuff. So she just got in her head. I uh, I turned myself in that day, I got out, I'm on the news, everything. Uh, <laughs> when I'm at the wrestling school, like a police officer would show up or something and people would freak out. I'm like, don't freak out, they're probably not here to see me because I'm going through, I'm doing all the processes, I'm doing all the stuff, I did something wrong let me go through the process. And aside from that, my mind's still here. My body's still here. I'm still running wrestling promotions. I'm still tied into all these places. Um, so I had all that going on. It was for like a year, almost before, uh, we got to, we got to court and between that time, uh, we I was just hoping it was going to get dropped. And St. Laurent had all these ideas for me if the case got dropped, but uh, anyways, I was asked by, so the first event that I had, I had one at Salvation Army post the, uh, the, uh, news online and on TV and the first promotion said, Hey, like, they're advertising the building that we're running at the Salvation Army. Uh, They don't want this bad press. They don't want people coming there and picketing. So uh, we can't have you there right now. Can you still provide us the ring? And I'm like, yeah, I can still provide you the ring and still provide you the wrestlers and everything. Just, you know, send me the money ahead of time. I had somebody else driving the ring truck at that point um sometimes i drive the ring truck sometimes i have other people who do it um so and then i slowly but surely every promotion like we're getting crap because people that don't know the story just or they just want to come at me again i had been wrestling now for over 10 years i've worked now for wwe i've worked for tna i've worked for ring of honor i've been trained at the new japan dojos i've been trained at the Heart Dungeon. I have Larry Zabisco and Scott Hall as some of my best friends and mentors. I have decent money. I have beautiful women around me. I have a school. I have students. And I had a trying to make everybody better that wants to be around me. But if you can't work to the level that I expect everybody to be, you're going to hear it. And whether I can't use you on shows or this or whatever, you know, sometimes you have to look at yourself and not want to blame me for your, uh, mishaps or not being able to raise the bar rather than attacking me and trying to lower the bar. But that's what's been happening these past, uh, 11 years. Now people just trying to lower the bar instead of raising it by coming after me. Um, I had an out of state booking and the promoter, uh, he said, Hey, like I'll still use you on the event and everything, but you know, I have this one issue or one of the wrestlers. Uh, I made the trip up to St. Louis for the show, and he said, Hey, I can't use you on the show because um, this person wants to pick it. And then, quick story about this uh, the future, Donovan Terrell, DT Porter. He's right now, I believe, he's serving a life sentence for killing his girlfriend. He was the one that was leading the charge in 2011 to not have me there. Uh, we eventually became friends post that and pre his uh, incident. Uh, his daughter was four years old and she was raped. And I can't imagine the sicko who could do something like that. And he thought my situation was similar and to what I'll probably get into a little later on this one. I had to get a restraining order where people thought where were the person that I was doing with thought, Oh, I thought you had sex with a seven-year-old. I'm like, no, I didn't have sex with a kid. Um, so Donovan Terrell, he, uh he was all against me. He said hello to me at the thing. Didn't shake my hand, but I knew that he was the one I just didn't know why. And then years later, when he moved down to Florida, started working for WWE, then got cut and then came to me and I helped him out. And he apologized for everything. He's like, I'm sorry. This is what happened to my daughter. This is what I thought. I had a bad perception of what you went through. And then I found out and I'm I'm sorry what I did to you. I said, that's okay. And then we were actually able to the group. I don't want to mention everybody's name, but we were able to get him arrested and not have any altercations because he was in the car And we were on the phone uh, with the police, with the promoter, trying to get him to pull over and turn himself in after he stabbed and ripped out his girlfriend's throat. Um, He was telling the police he had a gun, but we knew he didn't because they were going to send in an attack dog on him. And who knows what would have happened. And He's a black man. And. Who knows? So we were able to let the cops know he didn't have a gun and the high speed chase ended and we were able to get everything without any casualties or any problems. And that was years later. So 2010, 2011, I'm not working shows. Uh, My court case is coming up in mid 2011. Maybe, maybe it happened in June or July or August, August. I remember it was August. Um, Right, A few months before, my lawyer told me I can go wrestle, but do it under a mask. So I had different mask gimmicks. So some shows, they're like, oh, yes, Chase, we're going to have you back. So I ended up wrestling multiple times on shows under different mask stuff because not to toot my own horn, I'm pretty good. And I train all these people, and I've gotten even better to where you have – and I hate saying this for myself, but like others would say it, but a WWE level guy who can work with you and make your shows better, but not able to go to WWE because of these handcuffs I have uh, on me <laughs> to uh, be there so I can bring this to the shows. That's why people would continue to use me. And they knew that I was a good person. They knew the incidents and they they knew what the situation was because they know me. I'd wrestle under one mask against one of the big guys and beat them. Then maybe I then I'd put on another mask and lose to one of the girls to carry them through a match. Um, eventually, I went to court, had to plead to uh, two years of house arrest, followed by seven years of probation, no jail time. And I have to register as a sex offender. Uh, for my entire life, where I'll have to check in twice a year on my birth month and on my, uh, half year birthday month. So March and September. So I did the court. I did the court. I went to court, took my sentence. I never had to go on the stand. The girl never had to be brought in because again, she dropped it and it was just a state and I was taking a plea deal. Some of the stuff I didn't realize I was agreeing to. I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't see on one of the pages at the very top under the clipboard. It said I wasn't allowed to use the computer or internet. I'm like, but I make all the programs. I do all the promoting. I'm like, like one-stop shop, promoter, trainer, everything. I need the computer. Um, I go, <laughs> I, oh, and I didn't even mention this. Between talking to the cops and talking to my mom. And I'd asked my mom, I said, uh, what should I do? Is my life over? Should I just jump in the pool and just stay there uh, face down, not just hang out there and getting a long tan? And mom's like, don't do anything stupid. Um, and I don't think I've ever really been at that point that others have been where they've wanted to kill themselves. Cause I try to think about, just the people around me, the people that love me, the people that I love, not knowing what is in our afterlife and not knowing what the future holds and to an, a crazy extreme to where are we in the matrix? Are we not? And that that's a little out there, but why am I going to take a uh, mother nature, God, whatever it is, a gift that they gave me of life and take it away because of a mistake that I made that I can work through and try to persevere past. So and then also, eventually, I told my dad, and he was just furious that I didn't tell him right away. And I guess I'll, I'll jump back a little bit before going through all the legal stuff. I had to. Uh, I went to South Florida. I met with my mom and dad, and again, how I mentioned before, well, positive I did. And that they're divorced. They got divorced when I was five or six, and we were going through other financial problems. And uh, you know, they're always real supportive for their for me or my my brother Ashton when something happens, whether they fight or um, whatever the situations that will keep them apart, they'll come together for their kids. So I remember going into a we went to the Aventura Mall and we went to a sushi place to go sit down and eat and discuss everything. And you know, my parents were really mad at me, but they gave me like loving and daring hugs and just letting me know everything's going to be okay. Um, and I still, you know, I don't know. I don't have kids, so I still feel like a kid. And I'm a kid at heart. And same thing like Larry, like he's always here and he's, you know, older now. He's, he'll be 70 this year. And he says he still feels like a kid. And that's how like my mentality is. Um you know, I have lots of responsibilities. I have lots of bills to pay and I have lots of people I take care of. But, you know, and I see other adults, you know, hey, we just want to be a kids. Um, so we try to live life like that, like have fun. Uh, my parents very endearing, very hugging, like loving and letting me know, like you did something really stupid and you know, you shouldn't have done this. So you were wrong. Let's, let's see what we can do to like salvage whatever we can. Um, And then there was even discussion because, um, you know, uh, we talked about like if, if she was my wife, if this would be a situation thing to where it's like, do Allie and I have to get married for this? And it wasn't something that was off the table, but the relationship between Allie, her father and the mother had been so just destroyed between her not knowing who to trust between her mom lying to her and the stepdad. And uh, through the whole process, I didn't know that Allie's father was a sex offender. So this was like all like, whoa, what the my grandmother like put it. And I think I might have mentioned put out the ad for a a gay roommate. And he replied. And uh, just so there wasn't anything like that. My grandmother and grandfather had gone back together and gotten divorced again after he got out of serving his uh, 12 and a half years. That was supposed to be 35 years that he got for a judge that had a tumor that died shortly after the sentencing. Again, that's the other story. Um, so through this whole situation, Warren Lindsay told me, uh, Hey, did you know that Phil is a sex offender? I said, what? And I have to call my grandmother. Like, Hey, did you know? She's like, yeah, I knew it's like, <sighs> no offense. Like, like why don't you tell us you're bringing in a sex offender into our family? And she's saying it's not true what happened. He was a neurosurgeon, neurologist. Uh, he supposedly touched women while they were under. And they said, "Uh, um, I don't even know if I talked about this or not. I don't think I did with you, um, that he was set up. So I don't know the situation. And I'm not going to say anything more past that because I wasn't there, but he lost his license. He's 20 years older than Allie's mother. So there was a big gap there. So all this stuff, it's like red flags, red flags everywhere. I would have known this stuff. I mean, I shouldn't have done what I did. But if I knew even all that, it's like, whoa, my eyes would have might have been a little bit more open when I was uh, drunk, having my girl like cheat on me and just being in a mess, like maybe it was like, hey, don't forget her dad's a sex offender, 20 year gap in their age and you're not supposed to be doing this. That would have been more of a red flag. <sighs> and then just over time and stuff, like I actually feel like he's been there for me. He would never. That was another reason why I couldn't really speak too much because he didn't want to he didn't want to speak out because of his legal situation, him trying to always lay low and hide. And I remember when I was younger, I asked Phil uh, what party, when we were talking about uh, voting, I asked him what party he was affiliated with. And he's like, oh, I'm independent. I'll just vote for whomever. So he lied to me there instead of saying he had no rights, which I, I, I mean, I, I asked him but I, I, I don't know. I guess it's something that he just hid, and it's not something that I hide with my stuff. Cause it's so out there. Sometimes I might not mention it, but the majority of the times I always mention it. And it's like, I have, sometimes I have like diarrhea of the mouth of it because it's something that's just taken such a toll on my life. <sighs> I'm with my parents at the sushi place. Um, the marriage option. I said, I'd, I just said I'd marry Allie. I'd say, um, we got along real well. And, you know, if that's what it would take, you know, and not that it was being forced into it. Cause again, she was a smart girl, a beautiful girl and intelligent, smart, intelligent, um, caring. And just like, she, she was very talented as well. Um, But the whole thing was a whole mess. Uh Anyways, back to, I get done with court. Um, my lawyer tells me to, Check myself in the next day. Um, I did. They uh, sit me down with my – I'm now on weekly house arrest. I have to check in every week. They're going to put an ankle monitor on me. I'm only allowed – I have to be at my home eight hours every night. I'm only allowed an X amount of time to be out. I have to fill out a schedule where I can only be out on these hours and I have to be back. Um. I have to have the ankle monitor. I put it on my left ankle because my right ankle has a, um, I broke my ankle when I was working for ring of honor, <sighs> this goofy wrestler that worked there. That's such a, a disturber that talks a lot about me for some reason. And then he just has his own issues. It has been in and out of wrestling, but it broke my ankle and something he shouldn't have done. But I put it on my left ankle uh the probation officer sat me down and said, hey, uh, it was a man. Uh, he's like, hey, what happened? And at the same time, I'm just like, I don't know. Everything's so new to me. I've never been in legal troubles except for maybe getting a speeding ticket before and made sure I never got points on my license. So I don't know what I could and couldn't say to him because in court, it was like I just took the plea and that was it. And the probation officer said, well, like, look, if uh, you don't tell me, I'll just look up the file and assume. And I told him a brief thing of the story. And he's like, man that sucks. You got a raw end of the deal. I'm sorry. And he's like, Oh, and she's probably out there screwing other people right now. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, these police officers and stuff. Like they, they know the deal and they, cause they've seen all this stuff and they've seen like, I wasn't, I'll get into that when I have another probation officer. They kept switching me. Um, I have him for a little bit. Then I had this other nice woman uh, for my weekly and I'd be home Uh, The main guy in charge was a supervisor, was friendly with my lawyer. So I kind of told him like, hey, he's not a bad guy. And uh, (laughs) the main guy in charge of all the probation people, he was he was gay and he seemed to take a liking to me. And then my uh, probation officer that was a, a black woman, she seemed to take a liking to me, too, because I'd be. She'd come over for a weekly and just like randomly stop by and I'm laying out by my pool in a very small underwear just because I try not to get those tan lines when I switch to trunks. Uh, And she's like, oh, don't be embarrassed because she'd come over and I'm like wearing barely anything trying to cover myself. And they were all really nice. They let me know because I'm on this ankle monitor They're like, hey, your ankle monitor. It's a water resistant, not waterproof. I'm like, okay. Um, during this time also, so WWE had called me and asked me what's going on with my legal situation. And I said, hey, I just took a plea deal. So right now I'm on house arrest and uh, I'm still working through this process. And they're like, okay, well, do you have any students for us? So I talked about a couple and I was actually on the photo shoot with uh one of them. And I forget if this is the first time or the second time I was on the phone with WWE. And uh, the photographer for one of my students that they were... Uh, picturing that day like tweeted oh hey Jason was on the phone with them and blah, blah, blah. I'm like what the f-? you, you were privy to some really important business stuff why are you writing on Twitter about this and he apologized and took it down but it's like oh god people just can't keep their mouths shut sometimes um, I did my I went to uh, TNA I signed up for one of their gut checks to let them know hey I'm back and my contract with WWP had been suspended and the whole thing kind of fell through where some of the guys were able to uh, rekindle their uh, relationship with TNA or someone to WWE. Or I remember Christina Von Erie was the first one that said, Hey, I want out of this contract. Cause it seemed like things started to fall apart. Um, I went to TNA to do a gut check to let them know that I was still like around and like, Hey, you know, I'm just dealing with the, uh, house arrest thing. So they took me no problem. Um, <laughs> In the uh, gut check thing, I was with was, lo was running the thing and uh, Bob Rosen, who built my last ring, the one that we did for the New Japan ring. I had my two other rings for high spots. At one point, Bob and I are talking while d is trying to run the seminar and I got a little crap for it. And these are the same things, you know, <laughs> I, uh, you know, sometimes I need to be a little, I need to fall in line a little bit more because I'm not the boss wherever I go. But at the same time, you know, I want to try to learn as much as I can and also stand out and try not to do it in a bad way. But Bob was talking to me something. We were talking about the ring because there was a little bit too much of a bounce in the ring. And Bob was showing me like, hey, if you flip these beams upside down, it'll take away the bow because I was trying to almost like, oh, thank you. And Dilo's like, Jason, this is a wrestling seminar, not a ring crew seminar. And honestly, no offense to D'Lo. Dilo's a great dude. And I used to see him at the gym. He moved back to Vegas and stuff. And I'd pick his brain. Very nice guy, but... You know, the seminar was that I was at was just to let them know, hey, I'm here. And if you can use me, awesome. But I got a lot out of like just the stuff with Bob, who I still am texting with earlier to get my ring back that was rented for someone. Um, so that helped. Anyways, as in the gut check, uh, they put a poll out online. That said, Hey, from the gut checks that have happened, who would you like to see? And there's over a hundred people on this list. And I call Lindsay, I found the list early. Um, I'm decent at computers and stuff. So I actually found the list on the polls prior to them getting out. So I was actually able to take a lead and got it out there to my people. And then it started getting out there to the rest of the world that this poll was out there. And I was in the top three the whole time out of the hundreds of people that people wanted to see in TNA. And I, I'm pretty sure I was leading my section because I think there was maybe 12, 13 or 14 different polls. And I was like, number one in mine. I called Lindsay Dorado and I said, hey, Lindsay, or called him by his real name, Jose. I said, hey, uh, there's this poll out there, but it's got your real name on it. And he's like, what? And he contacted TNA to get that down. And then TNA was so just, they didn't do the, Poll properly because at that point, some people had already been signed to WWE. Uh, someone else passed away. Somebody else was dealing with a legal matter. And then there was my legal matter to where uh, <clears throat> they got complaints. And I get an email from TNA. It was a generic info at TNA wrestling.com. Hey, because of past indiscretions, we're going to have to take you off this list. And I'm like, and I wanted to write back. I'm like, is this Bob Ryder? Is this who's talking to me? You don't do you sign this so generic? You know me. And St. Laurent advised me. He's like, you know, there's no reason to write back. There's nothing they're going to say to you. It is what it is. Uh, My first match back after my legal situation on a show was one of my, I believe in wrestling events where I wrestled QT who is doing awesome right now. And I think I heard the dirt. finally calling him QT Marshall. They were calling him Marshall forever. And I asked QT, I'm like, Mike, I'm like, why are you doing that? He's like, oh, when I turn heel, I'll do the Marshall again. I said, okay. And initially, Mike, he was going by Mr. Irresistible and stuff. And he sat down with me and St. Laurent to talk about a name change he wanted to. And he wanted to do QT Marshall. And the ring announcer would mess it up all the time. And he would correct him and say, it's not Marshall, it's Marshall. And I'd ask him like, hey, why do you want our ring announcers to be stupid? Wouldn't our ring announcers be smart enough to know the pronunciation for people's names? And St. Laurent pitched to him, what about QT Michelle? QT Michelle, because it's still like the French connotation, and it's even more like girly. And he's like, no, I want to be Marsh, Marshall. So, okay. And I guess now he's doing it. Anyway, so first match back, it's like six days after my court case. My mom came up to Orlando. Uh, what's cute, What's cool is uh, she thought, I guess, uh, still in the mask, but it's my legal thing. Okay, my legal stuff is over. I did my plea. I was charged two years house arrest, seven years probation after that lifetime sex offender. I'm allowed to be around uh, while I'm on probation. While I was on probation, I don't think I was allowed to be around kids alone. I think that was the situation. So I just never put myself in that situation. Um, not that I really needed to be. Uh, I wrestled my first match against QT as myself, just chasing rants. And my mom was real excited. Uh, And there's another thing helping QT. I told him, I said, give me a list of five moves you want to do. I remember laying out by my pool one day and I'll have five moves and I'll put it all together. And I talked to QT on the phone and I said, all right, this is what we're going to do this. He's like, Oh my God, Jason, how'd you do that? I'm like, you know, I'm a smart guy. You pay me to train you. And, uh, You know, and I just kind of work him through the process. And, you know, people say, oh, there's a light switch in wrestling when it turns on, like, you know, the stuff. And I tell everybody it's a dimmer switch. You know, you get you keep getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Hopefully we don't want that dimmer switch to go down, but you want to keep learning. You want to keep improving. And that's definitely happened with QT. I haven't gotten to watch his match with Billy Gunn the other day. I heard it wasn't that great. Um, but I'm really happy for where he's at, where he's at in the nine years, nine years prior to what happened with WWP, where he was going to be the lower part. And now AEW, the one finally took off and he got something and I'm very happy and proud for him. Um, but we do the match. and He's like, I'm going over. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Mike, you're going to go over, you know, and St. Laurent was the one that said, hey, you know, chasing coming back. People are going to be after you, so maybe it'd be good to just do a bunch of jobs for a while just so it's not like, oh, Chase and Rance is back and he's kicking everybody's butt again because, like, usually I went over most of the time. Uh, I think right before my legal stuff, I was on – I think I lost in WWE. I know I lost in WWE, but then every match I was just put over. I had uh, – I was the Florida junior heavyweight champion. I was the undisputed Florida junior heavyweight ch- The Grand Slam Junior Heavyweight Champion of Florida, that was one of the titles I had, had different junior titles, then I had heavyweight titles, tag titles, this, I was the belt collector. Uh, (sighs) Jumping back a little bit, while I was waiting for my sentence and I was still going to shows with my students when I wasn't wrestling, and just everybody's checking on me. They're like, "What's going on?" I had so many wrestlers at this party where, like, I got where the incident happened. They're like, "Oh, this is crap." Um, one of my students, Gus Money, which is a funny story with Scott Hall and Dixie Carter, which maybe for another time. Um, he's like, Jason, what, how you talked to PWI, you're all in the magazine, you gave them a whole information about yourself, they're talking so much about you. I'm like, Gus, I have no idea what you're talking about. I haven't done any interview with PWI lately. Um, and I have to get to the store. I got to the store shortly after that, like the next few days, and I found it. I said, Gus, what the, did you read this article? I said, this is a turkey award. This is an award for doing something bad. And the way they had it written down, as far as there, I mean, who got awards that year? It was uh, me, Dixie Carter, Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, and X Pac got one together. Um, Bubba the Love Sponge got one for the stuff with Amazing Kong. Um, I think Bre- Vince McMahon, I think, got one that year. But then the write up in the article like, was like, oh, these people are afraid, but what Chasen did to this family. I'm like, oh, they don't know the story. And then there talks about Chasen was the next. Guy, he's done work for WWE, TNA. He signed to the unnamed company, which was WWP. To all this, but the forgiveness and blah blah blah. I'm like, this is not a good thing for them to be writing about me. But I actually, I got it printed and I I put it up in my school so people can see and I show them. The other stuff where PWI talks about me, I talk, show them where PWI ranked me in the top 500 from 03 to 2010. There's a gap in 11 and 12 where my legal stuff and not doing as much to 13 to 19 until this new age of whatever they're doing right now in PWI to where I was still ranked because I was still one of the top wrestlers in the world and still staying busy. I uh started working on the shows more, still running shows, uh, wasn't out of state as often as I had been before. Oh yeah. I hadn't gotten out of state. So I'm on house arrest and I get booked in Tennessee for custom matches, which you might ask about those, the customized wrestling where I wrestle girls. And at that point it had only been girls. And then after my legal stuff, I wrestle guys, but I never do anything bad. It's always clean. So these crazy things about we are talked about chloroform, porn and people dressed in Navy things and this, that I have nothing to do with any of that. I've rented my building before to people that have done weird stuff. And I kind of tell them no nudity, none of this, none of that. And then Chlor, I never, I guess I never mentioned chloroform when somebody dressed up like a Naval officer. Anyways, I don't do that anymore. I don't do those rentals. I've found other people that have other rings that I can send them there. Um, So I get booked out of state and, uh, just through the process with my, uh, weekly officers, everybody was really nice. They were like, all right, let's get you to court. Let's get this, uh, thing cut off. You, you're not, you're not a threat. You've turned yourself in whenever like the situation, uh, we know the story now more. So we, we trust you. So I went to court. So after four and a half months, I got my ankle monitor cut off on what was supposed to be a two year sentence. And when it was cut off, I thought, okay, well, now I still have eight and a half more years to go or a little bit more, but actually my, two years turned to four and a half. And then from there, I only had seven years to go. Uh, I said, okay, that's cool. And then hopefully after like three and a half, I'd be able to get off. Um, I get it cut off. And right when I uh, get to, I was in Memphis. We, my girl and I, we are in Memphis and I get a phone call and it's Kevin Nash. And he's like, Hey, Chase, want to go to Aruba? I said, do I? Uh, He's like, can I, can we bring you to Aruba? Can we use your ring? And how is Cody Hall doing? Because I was training Scott Hall's son. Um, Was I training Tim yet? I I think I was training Tim already, but he was newer at the time. Yeah. Tim hadn't started yet, I don't think. Um, I said, sure, that'd be awesome. Yeah, we can get the ring. He's like, can I pay you a lot of money? I said, you can pay me as much money as you want. Um, so that was awesome. So it's like, I, you know, life had been like, seemed like it was really down. So 2010, 2011. Now, uh, if it was 11 court then. Yeah, it was either the end of 2000, whenever I wrestled LT Falk in uh, Nashville. So whether that's 11, that might've been 12, actually. Um, I'm getting ready. I'm like, cool. I'm in, I'm on Beale street having fun. I um I have to go meet with my new weekly officer real soon. I was able to go to court to court to uh get my privileges for my computer reinstated to be able to get all my stuff to do social media and everything. So I was able to do I just had to go through the system and after the first the, the first trial not trial but the plea deal I went through um the state prosecutor got uh, cycle to another section which is what happened that my lawyer was hoping for what happened before my case because then after that i had a much easier state prosecutor that was saying okay he understood the situation he would look me in the eye he would talk and then just i got all the social media and stuff they're just like uh, oh don't do this i'm like i don't want to do that um just as far as they're like oh you can't have friends on you can't have underage friends on facebook i'm like no thank you i'm good um, but then Facebook took it down saying, Hey, uh, even though the court said you can have Facebook, we say, no, I'm like, that's fine. I don't need Facebook. Um, I'm in Nashville. I'm in Memphis wrestling there. I'm coming back. Kevin Nash is going to use the ring. I meet my new probation officer and she wants to be like a mother who thinks all of her kids are really bad and she needs to teach them. And she was just always giving me crap and saying like, Oh, you can't do this. There's kids at that event. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm allowed to do that. This is, this is the situation. Um, the next officer was a lot harder. She tried to be real mean and just realized like I was doing everything by the books. I was doing everything I had to do. And eventually she calmed down, but she was really, really strict compared to my weekly officers that were like cake Um Anyways, after some time, uh, she had gotten, she was, she was, she was on my side. She really, not on my side, but she just didn't attack me in the way she was trying. She's got to pay this. You got to pay. This. I'm like, I've done all that. I've done that. I'm, I'm here. You don't have to yell at me. I'm a person. Yes. I did something wrong. I shouldn't have, but I'm not one of this. And then, uh, sometimes I would do stuff just to like jab back at them. Nothing bad, but like for this one, I brought in my girlfriend and, uh, She's like, hey, you know, hey, can you please not bring her in here anymore? Like, because people are staring at her in their minds. And I'm like, they're like there's sex offenders in here. I'm like, what am I? And she's like, you're not like them. I'm like, thank you for seeing that. I won't have her come in anymore. And we were on a cool page. Um, After some time, she was going, they had her going out of her way to see me. Um, because I don't remember the exact situation and all, but they gave her just my zip code. And then sometimes she's like, I came by at four in the morning. You weren't there. I was there. I live in a big house and my room is all the way on the far side From where the doorbell would ring to where when I knew she'd be coming over, I would sleep on the couch next to my door just to make sure she didn't think she could violate me for not being home when I was home. I did everything by the books. When I was on house arrest, I said, hey, I have a show in Callahan, Florida, which is like one of the northest part of Florida. I'm like, hey, I won't be back home until like 4 a.m. And they're like, oh, we'll put you out till 6 a.m. Okay, but then I need to leave my house before two because I need to have that eight-hour window. So it was always just I'm trying to do everything by the books to still run my business. Um, I'm a business guy, which I've mentioned, and I'm running my own business. I've Like I said, I've never had my own my, like or a job working for anybody except summer camp counselor. And I was always just a business guy running my own stuff, so I have to do all my things. Um, and still, I get continually attacked. Uh, we'll talk about that. Um, I'm on the monthly... I got over with the uh, probation officer and she would sign off all my stuff. And eventually they, she said, Hey, I'm going to switch you to somebody else and said, Oh, don't worry. Uh, They're, they're friends with a bunch of wrestlers. I'm like, Oh, great. These might be like people that I've been against. So before I got the new probation officer, this is 2012 or 13, 13, beginning of 2013. um, I call the, nwa representative of florida and say hey there's a show february 1st and again i don't have any notes in front of me i don't have anything i'm just throwing stuff off the top of my head remember it's february 1st 2013 and i called him about the uh nwa booking and he said hey Noah, and this is dante brown he said sal has you scheduled for fip and i'm like No, and FIP is like tied in with Evolve, which used to be tied in Ring of Honor with Gabe Sapolsky. And I said, no, he doesn't have me booked on the show because during the whole process of the WWP thing, Gabe and Sal wanted in and we didn't get them in on the lower level. And discussing with Gabe, the idea was to have Gabe come in as a manager, an on-screen role, and he didn't want to do that. But the idea would have been him with his own faction of his, either his ECW or Ring of Honor type guys where he controls them, where he's not like a regular manager, but at the same time, kind of like a mix between Paul Heyman behind the scenes and Paul Heyman on the screen. Uh, but he wasn't really into it. And Sal and Gabe, we told them like, hey, we were going to bring you in later. We just didn't have the ability on the ground floor. Um, so when I got in trouble, I think Sal kind of like laughed about it a little bit. I don't think he had anything just... Dis- dis- totally disparaging about me and nothing that we couldn't fix as opposed to some others that have been talking very poorly about me that, uh, anyway, I'll get into that in a second. Uh, so I called Sal. I said, Hey, Sal, uh, how are you doing? We talked for a little bit and he's like, yeah, I have you on the show. I want you on the show. And I said, okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and at the time also I had thought about, and I think I did, I was calling myself, chiseled chase it was a nickname that chris carson when i first came to orlando gave me he just called me the chiseled one so i don't like changing my name to whatever like fake name i still want to be me it sucks when somebody changes their name i think it takes the realism out of wrestling unless there's some real explanation behind it where they can do something with it but i just don't want to go by some fake name it's like but your name's chasen what was it chris masters this was stupid on a skit that they had on wwe where he's where they're doing some trial thing and you know, please state your name, Chris Masters and Vince McMahon said, your name's Chris Mordetsky. Get out of here. You're a liar. You know, Barry's credibility and I try to treat wrestling as a shoot and uh, similar to uh, Chris Jericho, keeping a track of all of his matches. I kept the track of all my matches. I've had close to uh 1100 matches. It would have been a lot more if not for, you know, my
0: situation. Um.
1: sal said i want you on the shows i don't want you to be chisel chase you're chasing rants you're very talented prior to that he like had me pegged for wwe a lot of people had me pegged for wwe gabe sapolsky would put me over say you know matt seidel and jack evans they can do really cool flips and stuff and while you're not the best flipper to me, it says, you have charisma, you have personality. You're able to go out there and show that you don't have to do all the flips in the world. You can do it without having to do that. And I said, thank you. And Gabe was always a big proponent of telling the positive instead of just the negative. And that's something I try to bring. I try to tell the good stuff and the bad stuff, the stuff to work on, the stuff to keep and the stuff to get rid of. At the beginning of the first FIP show, Sal has me, St. Laurent, and himself in the ring and makes a whole announcement to everybody there. And it was a lot of fly-ins and very few locals. It was uh, the locals were like Lindsay Dorado, Los Bendejos, uh, Maxwell, Chicago, and like one or two others. And Sal just said, "Chase and Em an are my left and right-hand men. And if you guys have any problem with that, there's the door. And it's like, heck yeah. Oh, John Davis was another one there. Shortly after this, John Davis uh, said, hey, Jason, can uh, we go upstairs and talk? John Davis, he uh, is another one that had potential. He was did some Ring of Honor stuff. He was NWA World Tag Champ. He did some Evolve. I think he's still doing some stuff right now. But he was at least nice to do this to my face. To have me, St. Laurent, Sal, and Jerry Lazy, the owner of the Orpheum in Ebor, Hey, you know, we have fly we have this. You know, some people are worried about Chasen's legality. That maybe it would be best to not have Chasen on the show. And I said, look, I love wrestling. I did something stupid. I can't really talk about it because I'm still going through these legal situations. Like I was still on probation at the time. Uh, so I can't talk about it. And Sal just said, no, Chasen's done his time. He's doing his time. There's nothing in the law that says he can't wrestle on these shows, and I want to use them because I want to put out the best talent we have to offer and put on the best shows. So that was that. Um, at the shows, though, the other Florida guys that thought they were better than they were were outside picketing. They were saying because it would be like, "Oh, kids getting free," so they would call news stations and say they're trying to rape their kids. Kids getting free, and there's a sex predator who's after your kids. And Sal would always get on me. He's like, "Hey, Jason, take care of this. Take care of this." I'm like, "Sal, what can I do?" They're outside the building. They're calling the news stations. They're saying the stuff. They're they're lying. It's propaganda. Um, there's nothing I can do until they step over the line until someone finally did. Bruce Santee, who I had known coming out, he was a Tampa guy, Billy Fives, who had to work on and stuff. And he was a really big guy. I'd ask Billy about him and Bruce, if you're listening, you should know, Billy said you suck. Um, He was just a big guy. He actually got extra work at WWE, and he had a match at one point, and then they took it away from him, and he went nuts and supposedly destroyed catering and was never welcome back there. Um, He came into the Orpheum once, and he got in my face, and he threatened me. He got me. He's like, I told you to stay out of my town. I look up at him. He's a foot taller than me. I said, Bruce, we haven't talked in, I don't know if it was months or years, whatever I said. He said, you're a pedophile. I said, I'm not a pedophile. Look up the definition of a pedophile. That's not me. I told you to get out of my town. I said, Bruce, you just said that a minute ago and never before. And then he said something else. And I just never backed down. I was ready to fight. At first, my back was near a pole, but I got out of the way, ready for him to swing. And he was a big guy. And actually, at one point years ago, St. Laurent, uh pegged him to uh, or goaded him into a fight with Manny Montana, the original member, me, St. Laurent, So Caval, Manny Montana, Team Vision before Manny disappeared. And I wasn't at the show, but they got into a fight and Manny went to double leg Bruce and Bruce just kind of laughed and threw him off. And I don't know why M was trying to start these fights, trying to get buzzed, trying to do whatever. I don't know. So I had to file a report against Bruce and people at the Orpheum were helping out because they didn't want this situation they don't want this happening. So we had to slap him on the wrist. <sighs> I got a restraining order against him. I got a new probation officer. And the new probation officer was best friends with Larry Lenz Brennan, who was one half of the new Heavenly Bodies, where they were three time NWA World Tag Champions, classy Chris Nelson, and vicious Vito DiNucci. And uh, Vito's heavyweight champion of Ring Wars, which I had been working for with Bruce Santee. And I had been working for Ring Warriors under a mask as El Hero by Ronico because they wanted me under a mask for that promotion. Lindsay Dorado and I were a tag team there. Um, some places I was that. Some places I was uh, the spirit kid where I was just from their hometown. Some places I was the DTW ninja. Um, I was the executioner. Whatever they needed. If it was any time at a school, it's like, just go talk to the principal or a board member. If you don't, I will not be there because I'm doing everything by the books. Uh, I get this new probation officer and he is best friends with Larry, who's buddies with Bruce, who I've been friends with all these people. I've worked with them. And Chris Nelson, who was Larry's partner, saying, why are you messing with Chase? And They purposely went out of their way to try to mess with me, to try to stop me. The probation officer was on my case, would not let me get out for anything to where I would, again, play everything by the books. But I'm feuding with Lindsay Dorado, building up this uh hair versus mask match on iPay-per-view. And uh, he's like, nope, you're not allowed out. And I have to call my old probation officer the one that i got over with that was weekly that was also mean like hey uh, i gotta get out of here we gotta get uh i think the ring was taken by one of my students there but it's like i gotta i gotta get there like we got this pay-per-view and i'm one of the featured matches um she's like let me talk to my supervisor which wasn't the uh the man that liked me but somebody else i believe um and i also spoke to I think it was a woman as well, because I was talking to my probation officer, supervisor. And I said, hi, I've been in your system now for close to two years. I've gone through everything. I've done everything I've had to do. I'm not sure what this holdup is with this new probation officer I've had. I've already had three. I've been working. I, I've never had any issues. I've had no violations. Everything I've ever tested has been clean. But I think there's something and it might be something personal. So I'd like you to look into it. Um, then I called my old probation officer kind of freaking out letting, cause she knows more of the insight stuff and I can show more personality and more emotion. Let her know, like, this is important. I got to get out of here. And she's like, check your email. I got my pass to leave. And I called Sal. I said, Hey, I'm good to go. I'll be there. And it was like the 11th hour. And he's like, all right, good. Um, next thing coming up was, uh, my mom was going to California for a wine trip and she needed help and she would hire me and then looking at all the, uh, laws, Um, Had I been to Vegas yet on this trip, I don't know if there's also a cauliflower alley club trip in here that happens. And this is all during my post house arrest during my probation. That's supposed to be seven years. Um, I, oh yeah, no, I'd already been to Vegas. So prior to Vegas or prior to California, and I had my weekly probation officer, the one that was kind of uh, not the nicest always. I She wanted a packet. She wanted an itinerary of everything that was going to be happening. So I had to make one up. I used Larry's uh, WrestleMania packet and then just formatted it for the Cauliflower Alley Club. So I wrote down everything that was happening. I wrote an index. I wrote all this. When everything's happening, what seminars I'm supposed to be at, at this, at what time there's supposed to be a meet and greet. And I added asterisks to there like, and we understand, Chase and Rance, you have this legal situation. At this time, we ask you just to remain in the back, so you don't have to have any altercations with any. Uh, so we just don't have to have any. I don't want to say altercations or incidents or whatever it is, just to uh, keep you in the back, just so you're not around any minors as part of your legal situation or however it was worded. And she's like, "Oh, this is great, highlighting things, so everything was good on paper, and I had to be my own, you know, get all this paperwork done." Um, So I have the new probation officer. I'm texting with my mom while I'm in there. And the probation officer is telling me I can't go to California. Um, The paperwork in California to be a sex offender there, like you can't stay in the same place for more than four days. Um, So I was able to do it where we stayed two days in one place, three days in another place, two days in another place where I was constantly moving around through our trip, which was the case. So everything was legit and by the books. Um, I bring the itinerary to my probation officer. And he's like, Oh, and he keeps trying to find every way to get me out of there. And eventually he says, well, you know what? I would let you go, but you have to go in front of a judge to uh, let you uh, travel outside of the state and to fly on a plane. And I guess he didn't know about me. I said, Oh, and I flipped the pages in his book and I pointed, I said right there, permission to permission to travel um, by the judge. And I texted my mom. I'm like, I got him. I got him. Um, he's like, Oh, So I was able to do it last second. Everything has just been crazy. So, and I had to leave right after there. I had to shoot down to Miami for us to fly to California. Um, During this time, I have a court case coming up with Bruce Santee where I have to go there to keep my restraining order, which I actually had no intentions of doing because I didn't care. And again, it was just to slap the guys on the wrist to say, Hey, Stop showing up to shows. Stop causing all this drama. Just because you guys aren't good enough to be on the shows doesn't mean you should try to destroy these shows. And that's a terrible mentality to have. And if the people around you just aren't that good and you feel like you are better and you can raise your stakes, whether you want to come to me to train or you can find a personal trainer to take you to the gym to make you better or even find somebody else that might know more than you that probably knows more than you because there's plenty of people out there that knew more than them to get them better and not just try to attack the people that are doing better than them. I have the case coming up and my probation officer, while I'm in California, gets served. He's like, what is this? I said, and I had mentioned to him, I said, look, I'm not going through with this uh, restraining order. It was just a slap on the wrist. And when the court case came up, look, I'm in California. So when the, when the case happens, if I'm not there, it gets thrown out right away. He's calling me while I'm in California. He's like, I got this. I have to go into the courts. I'm supposed to go to my kids baseball game. I said, please go to your kids baseball game. Do not show up in court. If I am not there, there is no case. And this is, this is a lawyer paid for Bruce through Larry, uh, Brennan, who is best friends with my probation officer. And my probation officer is so pissed. And he's get, taking it out on me. I'm like, this is your friend. He's like, you put the restraining order. I said, yes, because I had to. And at one point, I was actually, it was me and my girl, uh, Kenny King and MVP. This is outside of TNA. And so everybody's in TNA except for me. And I'm just like helping out with whatever I can. Um, we're... Uh, <laughs> He's like, he was like, oh, your probation officer made you. I'm like, oh, whatever. I'm just, I'm doing the process of what I got to do <sighs> because my previous probation officer said, oh, you know, you should get a restraining order. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. It was actually her idea. And then I'm going through the process and telling my new, current probation officer that he does not need to be there where I'm in Mendocino driving through the uh, mountains, So I have bad service and I'm just telling my probation, officer, do not go, go to your kid's game, go to your kid's game. Uh, we lost service. Hours later, I forget if it was a voicemail. I think, yeah, he talked to me. Mm, I think he just talked to me on the phone. I don't remember if it was a voicemail or not, but this is again 2013, 14 now. I'm not exactly sure. Um, he apologized. He said, hey, I'm very sorry. I uh thought these guys were my friends, but for them to do what they did, you were chase and you were telling me the truth the whole time you said there was no case. I didn't believe you. Like he just didn't think about it. He was just freaking out over his job and stuff. And at the same time I'd been in touch with his supervisor to make sure that all my stuff goes through because I'm a working guy and I can do my stuff. I did something stupid. I'm serving my time. But at the same time, I need to continue my life. I I did not get sentenced to uh, the death penalty. Like some people on, on uh, Reddit want to say that I should have (sighs) been. Or Twitter. Um, so he apologized. He said, I thought they were my friends. You were telling me the truth. Uh, I came back into, uh, when I got back from California, I checked in and I, again, pushing buttons just a little bit because they pushed me. I come in in this over-the-top velour uh, collared shirt and uh, rants or chasing or whatever he said and uh, he looks at me and gives me like a disgusting kind of look like over the top Valore went out in the 80s like a total jerk i'm like whoa he's being even meaner like just the way he said it and like he sits me down in his office and he's like i just wanted to break the ice i'm like huh and then he went into really mellow he's like hey i'm sorry about how i've been acting I had people that I thought were my friends pushing me in the wrong direction. And as long as you don't get me fired or try to get me fired, uh, this can be a lot smoother. I said, yeah, I'm just trying to do my job. So if you can just do your job, we're good. And so we never had an issue after that. Um, and then shortly, shortly after that, um, I went back to court to get my whole probation taken care of. Cause my lawyer said, even though we're supposed to wait another three and a half years from there, he said, let's just see what the court say. <laughs> so went back to court. Uh, state was there. State never really had any uh, objections to anything. So my nine year sentence turned into two years and a few months, but I still had to register. Um, so that was always a process as far as having to register just twice a year. I have to go do that. Uh, through the whole thing, I have never spoken to Allie again since that day with the cops coming over and just briefly on the phone with her and her dropping stuff and the mother, they never got any money from me. They tried, um, Phil was actually on his way to my house that day to tell, me that him and my grandmother were getting married and this put a whole damper on that. And they only recently got married because they've been together forever. And just if one of them passes away, social security, Um, they're not the happiest. It's been crazy. He's, he's a bit of a womanizer and uh, cause he's been around my dad and the way he's acted around other women when he's drunk, Phil um is not good. He's spoken good about me. And the one time I found a, le- a letter that was kind of a, Referencing me as far as, uh, and I think I actually used it because I was doing El Hero Byronico. They're like, Oh, you're bionic. I said, no, Byronico. Byronic. If you look up, uh, uh, if you look up what a Byronic hero is and there's actually a book on it, that's what I was using as my name. So there was context to my name when I was doing my mask character. Um, so I just went through that whole process and then the next uh you know years it's always just been one thing after another so that i mean that's been the whole process as far as that if you had questions that you wanted to ask or other things to get into that was the whole process of probation i got off probation and then just continued to work and some places were cool with having me there and then other places not so much just as far as any legality issues or bounce back or the news or this that whatever and i just never really talked too much about it because i felt so much time had gone by and any time i had ever put out like a press release or anything like that i just didn't want to leave it on there i uh because i just don't i would rather just focus on hey live event coming up hey uh training available here not just like hey in 2008 this incident happened
0: that was a lot that was definitely a lot there once again uh Chason Rantz being as detailed as, as a person could possibly be. And it's interesting when an interviewer just takes a step back and just allows a person just to spill, you know, just, just lay it all out there. What, what is really going on from your perspective? What happened? And where are you since then? He took us on a ride there. There's no two ways about it. A couple of takeaways here. Despite anything that Chasen has gone through, There are still a lot of people in the wrestling industry who continue to do business with him. Some who do business and then stop others who have kept the relationship going. So it really makes you wonder, number one, where is the line for anyone where you separate any kind of personal or moral beliefs as opposed to business? And also, I mean, how do people feel about the fact that Chasen that was found guilty of what he did, and he admitted he, he did it. So it, it's it's an interesting um, perspective there that he shared, which is his perspective. And where do we go from here, all Right, Part three, I am going to ask Chasen Rance some of the, the, the questions that I've seen all over the place for years, people wondering about some of this stuff. You know, everything from what happened to the young lady who disappeared, who was affiliated with Teddy Hart, um, all the way down to what was going on with the the prostitutes and all this other stuff. Chasen opens up about a lot of things in part three that really bring it on home to modern times. So stay tuned for part three of This is Chasen Rant's Pizza and Prostitutes. <laughs>